According to the liturgical calendar, this is the 26th Sunday of ordinal time. We're fast approaching the culmination of the church year, the Feast of Christ the King, on the 26th of November. And from that point on, there will be only 28 shopping days left until Christmas. And according to the Farmer's Almanac, because of an unusual combination of the polar vortex and tectonic plate shift, Christmas this year will fall on December the 25th. Uh, I thought you might like to know. By New Year's 2018, we will begin to see the faint glimmer of Lent appear on the horizon seven weeks away, and from then it's downhill all the way to Easter on April the 1st and the 4th of July. But according to the plan of Matthew's Gospel, the parable that we hear today in chapter 21 puts us somewhere in the middle of Holy Week. Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem and the cleansing of the temple takes place just a few verses before this. Between these events at the beginning of chapter 21 and Matthew's, uh, in Matthew's Gospel and the death of Christ in chapter 26, there are a series of confrontations between the Lord Jesus and the chief priests and their allies, the scribes. So Matthew's gospel begins like an action thriller uh, with a succession of strange comings and goings, the arrival of St. Joseph and the Virgin Mary in Bethlehem, the birth of Christ, angel choirs, shepherds show up on the scene, the Magi, the flight into Egypt, and the massacre of the innocents. But in the last week of Christ's life, at the end of Matthew's gospel, there is only heated debate that swirls around two fundamental questions. Who exactly is this Galilean rabbi, and where does he get his authority to do and say the things that he says and does? Jesus' answer to these questions is to tell a parable, uh, in fact, a series of parables, the parable of the two sons, the parable of the tenants, the parable of the wedding feast, the parable of the faithful and unfaithful servant, the parable of the wise virgins, and finally, the parable of the talents, six parables in all. That the Lord Jesus taught in parables is a universally acknowledged fact, but what he meant by them is not always clear. Parables may be simple homespun stories from daily life, like the one we hear in this, this morning, but it's daily life 2,000 years ago in a culture far different from our own. And that is why on Sunday morning, both the assembly and the homilist are often left wondering what the point was, or even if there was a point at all. G.K. Chesterton once gave some advice about the limits of storytelling in the form of parables and analogies. He said that if you tell people a parable and they claim they don't understand it, you should offer them another example. If they say they don't understand that one either, you should oblige them with a third example. But from there on, Chesterton, Chesterton said, if they insist they still don't understand, the only thing left to do is to praise them for the one truth that they do know. Yes, you tell them, it's quite correct, you do not understand. That should be the default position for any homily that takes a parable as its text. I do not understand. 
But there's something worse than not knowing what a parable means, and that is claiming to know what it means. And that is why we often end up shrinking the parables down to bite-sized moral platitudes. For example, the parable of the Good Samaritan is a story about how we should be helpful to people who end up in the ditch. The parable of the prodigal son is a story about how we should forgive other people's outrageous behavior, or maybe how God forgives our outrageous behavior. The parable of the talents is about how God depends on us to use our natural talents and abilities to do good in the world. Now, this begins to sound a lot like the Gospel of Nice, and that brings me to the temptation that lies at the heart of preaching today's Gospel passage. Is this a parable about how actions speak louder than words, along the lines of, well done is better than well said, or maybe the Chinese proverb, talk doesn't cook rice? You don't have to come to church on Sunday to figure out those simple homespun truths. These are lessons most of us learn in kindergarten, if we can remember that far back. It's probable more, it's probably more honest to say that this parable is about what is happening in Israel through the ministry of Jesus Christ himself, who did not come to call the righteous, but to call sinners. The righteous, in this case the chief priests and the scribes, the, pre- the professional religious class, are those whose yes means perfectly observing the law with all of its demands. They are not only feel morally and spiritually superior to others, in a certain sense they actually are. They've done everything by the book, and that book is called the Torah. But this is the source of their pride, and because they're scorekeepers, they are resentful of the kind of riffraff that have latched onto Jesus and his promise of equal access to God for saint and sinner alike. And this is why they hold themselves aloof from Christ, claiming that he is a fraud and a troublemaker, while the sinners all flock to him. And here, the parable is speaking for the self-righteous in any age who grumble that the rabbi from Nazareth shares fellowship with tax collectors, prostitutes, and other sinners who don't live up to the demands of the law. This is a recurring complaint against Christ. Uh, that he associates with disrespectable people, an association, by the way, that Christ never denies. The parable is a story about the generosity of God whose love and concern goes out to all who fall short of God's grace, the gangbangers, the dope peddlers, the homeless, the panhandlers, and and those who never darken the doors of the church except to be baptized, married, and buried, or as we like to say, uh, hatched, matched, and dispatched. And mind you, it's also for us as well. It is a reminder to us all that God's love and salvation is always available to us and always greater than our ability to respond to it. We may say yes to God and believe that beneath we have a heart of gold, but so does a hard-boiled egg.